Welcome to the Boys of Summer. This is episode number 64, or as I like to call it, the Willens Ostadio episode. He wears number 64 for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I'm Gene Gums, joined by my friends Paul Arnold and Eric Braun. Guys, we got a lot to talk about, and I want to start with this one. Ken Rosenthal today had an article in The Athletic talking about injuries, and he was comparing the injuries from the first month of 2019 to the first month of 2021, wisely throwing out last year because we're just going to pretend last year didn't count. Um, but And these are just guys on the injured list. And the numbers are up 20, or excuse me, 15% overall, 22% in pitchers. Now, can that be an effect based on last year's short season? I mean, we had a normal offseason. We had a normal spring training. So can you draw any kind of parallels be, from the mess of last season to what's going on now? Or is this just something that, hey, injuries happen kind of thing? You know, I, I read that article from Rosenthal, and it was really interesting. Um, but, you know, the thing is, I mean, if it's about playing time, if you look at the teams at the top of the list in that story of who, which teams have the most injuries, and it's almost all playoff teams, right? The teams who played the most games last year. So I, it seems like it's probably not related to, to games played. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. It's, I, you know, it seems like it's mostly soft tissue injuries and not really wear injuries. Um, yeah. I don't throw in too hard. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, the other part of it, and I'm wondering, and I'm sorry, Paul, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one thing I want to throw in here, could it be that teams are just being more cautious and placing guys on the injured list to control roster or just because they're afraid that their, you know, young superstar has a hangnail and they don't want it to get any worse. Could they be overly cautious? That's exactly one of the points I was going to make, Gene. Just the mentality that we have so much money now involved with these players that not only does the management not doesn't want to see them hurt, but their agent, even the player, I mean, Back when we were young boys, the players wouldn't have said, <laughs> I'm hurt, you know, and I need to set out. They would only come out if their manager said, you, you know, you're limping, you need to come out, right? There was a tough guy approach. That is long gone with 90% of the players now, and they don't want to risk their minor injuries, injuries turning into something more. I also think that this is not a new trend. I know we're looking at 2019, 2021. But I was looking up an article, and it was saying that between 1998 and 2015, every year injuries have increased. And they said it's sort of strange when you consider that we have better medicine techniques and training methods, more nutritionists, um, and they're trying to say, is what is one cause that could happen? Because most of these injuries are pitchers, and then they pointed toward velocity, that pitchers are getting stronger, uh, and they're expected to throw harder and that's adding a lot of these injury numbers up. I think that's a fair point. As a matter of fact, we're going to bring that up, the whole velocity thing. We've got a section coming up uh, about the uh, the offensive problems in Major League Baseball this year, and I'm going to bring that up. Obviously, everybody, it, it's the same thing. Everybody cares how hard do you hit the ball and how hard do you throw the ball. And, you know, maybe part of the problem is, is that we're telling guys just go out and throw as hard as you can for as long as you can. And then we've got 13 other guys in the bullpen. We'll bring somebody else in. I mean, 
are the teams expecting these guys to do too much? Are they some in some ways their worst their own worst enemies? Well, you might think of mechanics too. Um, you know, the, the mechanics. I remember different pitching coaches would say, you know, your mechanics are going to make it easier on your arm and your delivery. And I don't know if pitching coaches are staying long enough in the minor leagues to train up kids the right way, or even in the major leagues they're training up. So maybe with the increased velocity and not worrying about mechanics quite the same as they used to, I'm I'm a little concerned about that. One other theory was that they're playing more minutes um, and that the average game has kept on going higher and higher. And I don't know if that really adds up for me, but I think it's mostly the pitchers. And then when the games go later, they're starting later. These players are pretty strong, and they're trying to do great plays in, out in the outfield. That's when most of these fielders are getting hurt, is later in the innings when they're trying to you know, make a game-saving catch. One of yeah, the, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it just, yeah I, I agree with Paul. I, just, I, I can't imagine that... Um, it's it's minutes played. I mean, sure, some of the uh, the games are longer, but it's still the same amount of activity. I don't think there's a there's you know it's not like they're running three and a half hours instead of two and a half, right? So uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that's that's what it is. One of the things that Ken Rosenthal brings up in this article, and it's an interesting idea, and if indeed it's that you're throwing too hard for too long. One of the things that Ken brought up was, how about this? How about to kind of calm the pitchers down a little bit? You limit the size of each team's pitching staff, forcing pitchers, especially your starters, to throw more innings, but they stop going all out on every pitch and they start pitching. They start, instead of throwing 98 every pitch, Mm -hmm. maybe they start taking a little bit off some of the fastballs. Maybe they throw more breaking balls, more change-ups. Maybe you change the mentality because they realize there aren't 12 guys in the bullpen behind them. You know, now there's also the offset of, okay, well, you're going to ask them to pitch more innings. So there's always a chance something could happen, but is that part of the answer? I mean, are we, I mean, are we, are we, should we protect the pitchers from themselves and, and make them learn how to pitch more and slow down and not try to throw the ball through the wall every time? Yes. Hire Greg Maddox to be MLB special <laughs> commissioner to go around to all these uh, teams and say, hey, this is how you pitch. You, I wasn't the greatest fastball pitcher, but I had such nasty stuff and mixed it up that it worked for me. I, I think it would be great if they taught him a little bit more, but um, you know, we're too much in love with the radar gun, I think, a little bit. Yeah, the uh, you know, I'm just trying. I'm thinking of all the uh, you know the pitchers who later in their career, when their velocity had left them, had stuck around uh, you know longer because they were able to to figure out that they if they just threw you know uh, in the right spots like Maddox right. did that they would right. and that's what I mean if you look at Smoltz Danny Duffy, that. yeah, Smoltz did the same thing right. Um, Danny Duffy for the Royals this year, you know, he is. You know, he's probably I, I I had no expectations for him this year to do anything. And if he's not leading the league, he is among the league leaders in ERA. His ERA is at like point six now, I think, right around there. I mean, he has just been lights out all year. And it's, you know, he tops out about ninety-five miles per hour on his fastball. But he's just, you know, he's mastered his control and he's just getting a lot of guys out. 
Well, so this could be an anomaly. You know, it's it's up from from you know 2019, 15%. I think the key, and we're not going to really know for sure what's going on until, say, July or August. Guys who threw 50 innings last year are suddenly going to be asked to throw 150 this year. That's when I think we're going to know even more is later in the season as, you know, after that short season, you know, normally what do they ask a guy to ramp up 10% a year or something like that? Guys that used to pitch 150 and pitch 50 last year are going to be expected to pitch 150 again. That's where the rubber could meet the road late in the season. It could really be a mess. Yeah, and which team is going to be affected most? Like if you look at the leaders in each division right now, which team cannot afford to lose a starter or two and stay in that position? The Red Sox. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting. No, I mean, you know, I mean, seriously, the Red Sox. I mean, they're going. You know, now they're hoping to get Chris Sale back, but you don't know what he's going to be. But if they lost uh, Nate Evaldi or Eduardo Rodriguez for the rest of the season, put a fork in them. You know, they're already you know putting it together with band aids and bailing wire with guys like Nick Pavetta and Martin Perez. If they lost one of their other starters, they'd be toast. I mean, look what's going on with the Dodgers right now. They've got guys going down like crazy. They just lost Dustin made a Tommy John surgery and they've lost what eight of the last 10. This is a team everybody thought was going to run away with the AL West. And that's a team that supposedly has a lot of pitching. Yeah. Cleveland would be in, in trouble if they, yep. I mean, if, even if they just lost Bieber, they would be uh, right. in, in really bad shape. Their offense hasn't, it, it's come back a little bit recently, but they started off the year terrible on uh, with the, with their bats. Yeah, one of the names I think is going to be out there for free agent, as I read, is Scherzer. And wouldn't it be great, Gene, if Scherzer went to the Red Sox to help bail them out? Can't afford them. them. <laughs> can't afford them. They don't have enough. Here's the thing with the Red Sox. They, they're they under the salary cap, or the luxury tax threshold. They want to stay there. So unless Washington wants to trade them and eat all the salary, not likely. Uh, I don't see how the Red Sox could afford them. It would be awesome, but I don't oh. think it's likely. I'll be really surprised if he doesn't end up with St. Louis. He's a Missouri, yeah, I, Missouri guy. They're going to lose some salaries probably. I don't want to say it out loud, but uh, they're probably going to lose some salaries uh, this offseason, uh, and they'll have some definitely have some cap room. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and, and look, you know, if Washington's out of it in the middle of the season, who knows, they might move him somewhere. Um, but I don't know who can afford him. You know, that's the problem. He's got a pretty hefty salary. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, I guess we've about beat that to death. Let's <laughs> what the <laughs> silence was the, your clue? The silence, <laughs> the silence was deafening. Uh, all right, let's move on to this one. This is now this was kind of a throwaway article I saw in the Associated Press last week, and it talked about Major League Baseball expansion. Um, and and number one, I thought it was ironic because everybody's saying baseball's dead or dying, and yet there's consideration of expansion. But what was staggering to me was Rob Manfred, with a straight face, said anybody that wants to buy into Major League Baseball as an expansion franchise, it's going to cost $2.2 billion. That is the average franchise worth of a Major League Baseball team right now, $2.2 billion. Now, to put that in perspective, the last two expansion franchises, uh, Arizona and Tampa Bay, Paid 130 million in 1998. So in 23 years, it's gone from 130 million to 2.2 billion dollars. First of all, 
before we even get into where they would expand to, I mean, how do you as a group of uh, raise $2.2 billion to, to buy into Major League Baseball? That's just a staggering number. Hmm. That's Bill Gates' money right there. Well, well that's, it, it was. Well, he's, he's about to lose. He's about <laughs> well, maybe, to lose maybe it's Melinda Gates' money. Maybe yeah, she's right. interested in owning a team. Um, but, but, I mean, from 130, I know inflation, but good Lord. Um, now, the biggest piece of this was, there's, there's, I know there's cities that want to have a team, but he is saying that they will not consider expansion until the stadium situations are straightened out in Tampa which we know what a mess that's been. They've, they've tried like three or four times, and they can't seem to get an agreement as to where to put it. And in Oakland, where the sewers still back up in the stadium. Um, so until those two things happen, they said they're not going to expand. Now, supposedly Tampa is locked into their stadium, I think, till the end of 2025. And then they're saying they're going to look into perhaps moving the franchise to Montreal. Hmm. Mont- Montreal couldn't make it the first time. Yeah. What do you, I mean, do you think they could make it? Do you think baseball would, would make it in Montreal a second time? I don't. I don't think it will. Um, I know they liked it. It was fun. But it's not a baseball area. It's hockey and it's football a little bit. Um, I don't see that. And I, when you said Manfred said with a straight face, I didn't think he had a straight face. I thought his nose was crooked or something. So, yeah, I, I can't see Montreal. Las Vegas seems like uh, the winning uh, odds-on favor, excuse me. But um, they now have the NFL team. They have the hockey team. They want to be a major player. Don't you think Las Vegas, Eric's going to play somewhere they want to send it? Um, yeah, I mean, they've got to be on the short list. Um, I think probably Austin is probably another hot place. They they finally got their first major league club there, and that city continues to grow. And the entire um, Sun Belt is just taking off. So yeah, it just feels like uh, one of those two, or maybe Charlotte. Um, I know that would make Gene happy. Um, but uh, yeah, that's 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 what I would think. Well, I don't know what anybody just said because I had nobody for about the last 30 seconds. So <laughs> I'm sure whatever you said was the smartest thing you have ever said, Eric. But Thanks. I heard Excellent. I heard I heard none of it. <laughs> I did hear I did hear Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, I, um so we were we were discussing whether or not Las Vegas would be the obvious choice for uh, uh for the new franchise. Um and I I agreed with Paul that that would be on the the short list. However, I, I also think that Austin is probably in there too with the way the Sun Belt is taking off and Austin's huge. They mm. finally got a, a a major league soccer team there. Um so it's it's coming up and also, you know, uh, Austin and San Antonio are kind of a two kind of like almost a twin cities metroplex kind of deal. It's getting closer and closer every time I drive in between those two cities. Um, but that would be my guess. Well, n- neither one of those cities were listed by Rob Manfred. Oh, really? Yeah, they were not on the list. Uh, Charlotte was. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be limited to the ones that he talked about. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the ones that was on the list that I thought was intriguing and makes sense is Portland, Oregon. Because, because yeah. you've, you've already got Seattle in the Northwest, and Seattle's kind of up there. By itself, really? I mean, there's nobody else close to it. You've got, I mean, I suppose you have uh, San Francisco, 
but there's nobody else up there. So it would make more sense now when you make a West Coast swing, you could have like the San Francisco, uh, Seattle, Portland thing where they're kind of in closer proximity. So to me, that one would make sense. But the one I'm rooting for is Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. I've been to the uh, AAA game in Nashville, Nashville Sounds, and it yep. was an old ballpark, but it was a great night, great weather. We had a lot of fun. The same trip, my son went and I to the Vanderbilt University baseball game. So we got to see two venues in one city. So that was pretty cool. I could see Nashville. Yeah, well, because, I mean, don't forget, they've got the Titans, right? And they have the Nashville Predators in the NHL. That is a, that is a sports-crazy town. I think it would do well there. I mean, I think the sounds draw well, don't they? Yeah, I think so. You know, the other the other possibility too, and it's kind of along the Texas idea, although it's not in Texas, Eric. But what about what about Oklahoma City? I think the Sixty Sixers uh, draw pretty well up there. I think Oklahoma City would be a good. It's, I mean, it's such a sports culture there, more than like Portland. Portland and plus Portland's only, I just checked it out 645,000 people right um, that's a pretty small town and and also it just doesn't seem like a, a necessarily a, a town that would do great with baseball um but yeah i think uh i think okc could work and they have i they really go out of their way to um uh to just to have a good sports program in in that city I have to be honest, and I know you guys brought up Las Vegas. I hope it's not Las Vegas. Same. I think, yeah, I mean, I, that to me, that would just be awful. Uh, I just, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hate the fact that the Raiders are there. There's nothing against Vegas, but Vegas has its thing, right? Vegas has, you know, look, you've, you've got gambling. What else do you need? And I don't like the idea of having sports teams close to the center of sports betting in the United States. I just don't think it's a great idea. And it's in the middle of the damn desert. <laughs> you don't like the heat, huh, Gene? Uh, well, I look. I lived in Saudi Arabia, and so I I uh, I got plenty of heat. And uh, no, it's and I don't care whether it's a dry heat. It's still heat. So no, no <laughs> not, not not I'm not a fan. So all right. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, but two point two billion dollars. I don't know about you. I'd love to own a franchise, but two point two billion dollars. I don't think I could put together a group of anybody I of of, of everyone I've ever met in my life and come up with that kind of money. That's, How much did the Mets go for recently? Didn't they get bought? Yeah. What did Cohen pay? I. It was in the five billion dollar range. Yeah. Something like that. I know they said that the Yankees are worth $6.5 billion. Holy cow. Yeah. That, I mean, that's six, $6.5 billion. And I can only imagine what the Red Sox are worth. You know, I mean, it's got to be somewhere, you know, in the five, six million, a billion dollar range as well. But, but that's, a, that's a lot of coin to buy in. I mean, I don't even think A-Rod can come up with that kind of money. <laughs> and he tried to buy the Mets, right? Right. He ended up buying the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves, Timberwolves, or at least part of them. What I thought was funny, by the way, did you see that when he bought the Timberwolves? So one of the guys <laughs> on the team said, I don't even know who he is. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a nice blow to his ego. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Here is the one that, that was really stunning to me, and I want to talk about the offensive problems in Major League Baseball right now. Through the month of April, which just ended four or five days ago, the major league baseball teams as combined are hitting 230 
two. The all-time record for lowest batting average in the season is 237, which was set in 1968. And the year after that, they lowered the mound to make it more competitive. Uh, two years ago, it was 252. So we have dropped 20 points. Now, I know it's just a month. We have a lot of time. The Detroit Tigers hit 199 in the month of April. I'm sorry, Paul. Uh, you know, uh, that's not going to continue, although I hope they don't start hitting until they leave Boston this week. But we know that's not going to continue. But here's the other things to look at. Strikeouts. They're averaging nine strikeouts a game. That's up from like 8.5 two years ago. But By the way, to put it in perspective, in 1979, when I was still in, well, I was in college, it was only 4.7 strikeouts a game. That's how fast it's gone up. Uh, strikeouts are ahead of hits by almost 1,100 already this year. 1,100 more strikeouts than hits. Uh, we're only averaging 7.6 hits a game. Uh, by the way, the record for that was 7.91 hits a game back in 1968. So it's, it's fluctuated between 8 and 10 every year from 1937 to 2020. We're down to 7.63. Uh, only 16% of the pitches are being hit in play. 16%. That's hideous. Um, and one more stat here is, I love this one. Don, Don Mattingly was quoted in his story about what's going wrong in baseball right now. Don Mattingly never struck out more than 43 times in a season. <laughs> Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers and Eugenio Suarez of the Cincinnati Reds had struck out 43 times in the month of April. <laughs> so I ask you, with what's going on, is Major League Baseball part of the problem here? And I, and, I, and I bring it up for this reason. One of the biggest things on the Major League Baseball website now and on all the broadcasts, it's all stat cast. We want to talk about how far was the ball hit, how, what was the launch angle, what was the exit velocity, what was the pitch speed. Everything is based on numbers and trying to maximize these numbers. And are they statting themselves out of the game of baseball because of what they're promoting? I, you know, I, I don't think the stats are the problem. I mean, or, and the knowledge of the stats, I mean, that's just kind of fun. Um, it does, just, it, it just sort of highlights the problem. Um, if you, if you agree that it's a problem, um, you know, it's kind of funny because we've been talking the last couple of years about let's, Let's find a way to shorten the games, right? Like we need to have nice short games, <laughs> and all of a sudden pitchers start dominating, and we have some some nice short games. And they're not like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the matter of fact, the Yankee game the other night they played they played it in two hours and fifteen minutes. Holy cow! See, that's I what think, everybody wants. I think I think it was a it was a one nothing final, two hours and fifteen minutes. <laughs> but then but then I'm then I'm crying about the fact that nobody's hitting the ball. I get your point, right, right. but uh, but at the same time. When only 16% of the pitches are being put into play, that tells you that there's a lot of standing around. There's a lot of people sitting at home waiting for something to happen. And that is the problem. And that is where we're losing fans. Yeah. The casual fan wants to see, um, offense, right? I, I like pitching. I've always liked pitching. Um, and pitching is a lot of fun to watch on TV. It's less fun to watch, uh, in the stadium. You can't see, you know, you can't tell somebody's painting the corners, you know, from, from the upper deck, um, although you can, you're still welcome to uh, to boo the umpire from uh, from the upper deck if you think that ball was a strike, which is one of my favorite things about baseball. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I I think uh, they, they've got to figure out something. I do think I do think the batting will catch up. You know, it, part of this is 
it's a mix of the the pitchers throwing harder and better and the way that the bullpens are managed right so now i mean so many pitchers get pulled after six innings and then you've got your or after five innings really and then you've got your six innings seventh inning eighth inning ninth inning guys um so I think, you know, the batters will catch up, but it's probably going to be a while the way, the way it's looking this year anyway. Yeah, I think back to the days when offense was really doing great. I remember you, Brady Anderson going from a zero to a hero <laughs> because he said he went to the eye doctors and Steroids. he trained his eyes yeah. so Steroids. he could see the ball quicker. Steroids. So if you want to be crazy, you could say <laughs> to increase the offense, we changed the color of the ball so they can see it better. Um, and then you can blame uh-huh. swing angles um, and that they're ruining baseball. And then another excuse I heard one time was, oh, all these college players played with metal bats, and it takes them a while to learn how to hit with a wood bat. And now I think, come on now. But I like what you said last time we did a podcast, Gene, that the idea that they're trying out in single A about moving back the mound, I think that could be a real um, solution without changing a lot of the game. And until some team wins the World Series with small ball and changing up a different way, I think we're stuck with it for a while. Well, you know, and it was funny watching the Red Sox game playing against the Tigers last night. The Red Sox had 14 hits in the game. Seven of them went to the opposite field. They were actually hitting the ball where it was pitched instead of trying to pull everything. But I was watching the pregame show last night before the Red Sox game, and they had Mo Vaughn on. Now, Mo Vaughn has struck out a few times in his career when he played. Um, But one of the things that he brought up, and he thinks the biggest problem is the shift in baseball. And here's why he says that. Amen, brother. Well, what he is saying is, is that the analytics people on each team are telling players, don't worry about the shift, just hit the ball over the shift. That's where the launch angle is coming in. They're telling their players, we don't care if you strike out. We want you to hit the ball in the air so the shift is no longer an issue. If you hit it over the fence, it doesn't matter where the defenders are playing. So the analytics people are telling their players it's okay to strike out. There's no stigma anymore attached to that. So Mo Vaughn's saying, you want to get things back to the way they should be? Get rid of the shifts. And he thinks that will solve a lot of the problems. I'm good with getting rid of the shift. The shift I just find annoying. Um, uh, you know, there should be, you know, put guys on both sides. But shouldn't the shift, you know, for an opportunist batter really make easy hitting, right? Once you see that shift, if you're a good hitter, like a George Brett used to be, Eric, you just slap yeah. it in the other field. Isn't that the manager's job to get the players to swing better and to use all parts of the field? Theoretically. Theoretically, sure, but you know, a lot of that stuff is hardwired. And I mean, there's a reason why they they use the shift, right? That's how that's how these guys hit, and it's pretty predictable. Um, but yeah, it, but it does seem like you know, uh, you've seen a few players who've gotten really good at going the opposite way or or getting better at bunning. Thank goodness, which there's another thing that could could help. Back to the small ball, people don't seem to be able to bunt as well anymore. But um, but yeah, I think I do think the batters again will, will likely catch up. Uh, but it's uh, but yeah, I just rather the shift. I I don't know why, but it gets under my skin. It probably shouldn't, but it does. <laughs> well, but again, you know, it's all this is all analytics, you know, and and I like to I would like to take all the analytics departments and flush them all down the toilet. <laughs> 
and and I'd like to see, you know, and I know I get off my lawn, you know, and I'm a little cranky tonight. I haven't had dinner, but I would love to see all these guys taken out and just put on a bus. Taken out? Driven away. It, no, take wow. them out of the stadium oh, and, put on the bus okay. <laughs> and just drive them away from the stadium. And let's get back to having baseball people, guys that played the game, know how to play the game the right way. Uh, who did I hear? Uh, uh, Buck Showalter was doing color on a game yesterday and talking about how he used to teach guys to, to hit and how to hit where the, the ball is pitched. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody yeah. does it. You know, I mean, I, it's when I see somebody do it in a game, I don't know about you guys, I want to stand up and applaud. Yeah. Because you so rarely see it. Everybody's trying to pull pitches that are six inches outside. Yeah. So. Well, right. Gene, you're reminding me of that Snickers commercial. You're not yourself when you're hangry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that means I'm not myself. A no, lot. Uh, you're looking more like Betty White every day. See, that's it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. So along with the whole, you know, get off my lawn thing, I want to talk about celebrations in baseball. And there seems to be a bit of a double standard this year. You know, uh, Major League Baseball's. You know, they had that whole advertising campaign: let the kids play. You know, so they want they they they're encouraging the bat flips. They're encouraging guys, you know, doing cartwheels or dances around the bases. But as soon as a pitcher stands up for himself, the batters take exception to it. We've seen two times this year where guys pitchers have gotten suspended because benches have cleared, no punches have been thrown, but because pitchers yelled at batters because they didn't like things that they did. You can't have it both ways. If the pitchers, I mean, if the batters are going to be able to f- celebrate, why can't the pitchers take exception to that? I like what Bauer um, said the other day when he got lit up by Tatis, right? Did you see that? And No, what did he say? Well, he said, hey, if you're a major leaguer, you take it. The guy tagged you, you just take it. You know, let him do his flip, just go back to pitching. And I thought that was surprisingly honest for him, who's been known not to say such nice things in the past. I do think there's a double standard. I I, I just saw that um, highlight. I forget the guy's name from Cincinnati. The the pitcher was just pumped Garrett. up and won, Garrett, yeah, and just really yeah. pumped up. And they they tagged him with a seven game suspension. Now, granted, with pitchers, that's one rotation or whatever. If he's, he's a relief rele- pitcher, he's a relief. Really? So then it's more. I do think they're they're so worried about escalating but why can batters flip it and yell around the base pass but the pitcher cannot i don't think that's right yeah and that i i thought the with the garrett thing especially i i thought he was i mean he was you know a jerk and he was yelling specifically (laughs) you know at Baez. yeah Um, but it's just it's not so much that i thought that he was in the right but i just thought seven games was really heavy handed for something that like Gene said, didn't even, you know, there were no punches. There was just some, some mild shoving and cursing and, and bird flipping. Let me, let me put this in perspective. You could go off the baseball path, talk about not being, you know, you didn't think that was warranted. How about in hockey the other night, Tom Wilson from the Washington capitals Oof. sucker punched a guy uh, in the back of the head and then in the kidneys. Yep. And then when one of the guy's teammates came to try to defend him, he picked that guy up and body slammed him to the ice to the point where the guy cannot finish the season for the New York Rangers. Right. Holy cow. What? So then the league office gets it. What did they do to Tom Wilson? They didn't suspend him. They gave him a $5,000 fine. This is, 
This is a guy that's this guy's been suspended like seven times in his career for uh, dirty play, and they gave him a five thousand dollar fine for essentially ending some guy's season. And yet, Amir Garrett gets seven games for mouthing off. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. One last thing on the celebrations. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you if you want to celebrate, knock yourself out. Here's the problem I have: if you're going to celebrate, make sure that it's at a time when you should celebrate. I don't want to see a guy doing a bat flip and celebrating when you're down nine to one, you know, I mean, then you should get one. The next time you come up, you should get one in the ribs because you can't, if you're going to celebrate, that's fine. But there's a time and a place. That's like, you know, doing a, doing a dance in the end zone in a football game when you're down by three touchdowns. Yeah. That makes me wrong. Yeah. No, that makes me crazy. I love Especially these, you know, at the end of these NFL games where, you know, somebody gets a touchdown and they're down, you know, like 21 to zero. And it's like, yeah. all right, we're coming back now. It's like, no, you got, you know, this is the end of the game. They've got the scrubs in and uh, <laughs> you, you were gifted a touchdown. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I see so many, yeah. A home, if you hit a home run in the late innings of a blowout, you should just, you know, put your solve, head down, put your head down, run the bases and, you know, save your, save your celebration for the next, uh, next go. Yeah. The, what I wonder is that are the unwritten rules of baseball slowly going away, right? It seems like for sure. different things are sliding away right now. And, um, for some for good, but a lot, not so good. I like the idea where like, if a guy hits his first home run, like the pitcher for the Braves comes in and hit a home run and they all ignore him for a while, you know, just, you know, <laughs> give him the cold yeah. shoulder. That was funny. Speaking of that, yeah, speaking of that, I, I know I didn't bring this up, but how about the day for the pitchers yesterday? We're trying to take the pitchers batting away. The kid, <laughs> the kid you know, it hits a grand slam for the Atlanta Braves yesterday, the rookies, 22 years old. And then Dylan Cease is pitching or pitching in an inter squad game or interleague game with uh, Cincinnati. Went three for three <laughs> through wow. six shutout innings and went three for three at the plate. So let the pitchers hit, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> They're hitting better than MLB average, maybe. I don't know. Well, well, I don't know. Tigers, well, Tigers average. Oh, yeah, thanks. The Tigers, Tigers average, yes. <laughs> Walk into that one, Paul. Uh, uh, all right, the last thing I have today, and and uh, Eric brought this up, and, and it's an interesting thing because, you know, I follow a lot of baseball fans on Twitter from different teams, and there has been more griping about the umpiring this year than I ever remember seeing. So are they worse than ever? Or are we expecting perfection? Because we have gotten to a point in all our major sports where we have replays on everything. So we expect everything to be perfect. So are we now expecting, you know, these umpires to be better than they've ever been, even though they're probably as, as the same as they've ever been? Yeah. There's been some things this year that I've never seen before. Um, The Royals... And I think it was their home opener. Uh, the umpire at first base blew three calls in one game that had the, all three got turned um, overturned. Um, and the uh, you know it seems like the and I know the strike zone is a sensitive topic because of all the talk about having you know ro- robot umpires or what have you. But it just seems like the strike zones have just been and not even bad, just weird. You know, usually umpires are usually fairly consistent in the zone, right? They'll, they'll, they'll call 
maybe they won't give you the high strike, but they'll call it that way all game. And this year it just seems like it's all over the map. Maybe I'm just cranky this year. I don't know. I doubt it. Um, but, and then the other night, you know, Angel Hernandez just drives me absolutely bonkers. And he's just a terrible umpire. And I don't understand how he, um, continues to, uh, have a job but the other night he you know it was like a fly ball to outfield uh the two outfielders just watched it drop in between them and he uh calls the royals runner at second base out or you know he calls the guy who hit the ball out and the guy at second uh took off running because he thought it was because he knew it hadn't been caught but then the third base coach saw that Hernandez had called him out so he told him to go back to second and it just didn't be in this ridiculous play. They ended up giving, I think it was Ben Attendee, they ended up giving him third base because Hernandez had blown the the call. <laughs> he like, thought the guy had, he, he thought the guy had caught it in the outfield. He thought he had caught it, yeah. He oh. even, he, so he rung he rung him up. Oh, wow. uh, and the third base coach saw that and told Ben Attendee to go back to second. And Ben Attendee's like, What what's happening? They dropped the ball. <laughs> well, folks, I wanted you to know. Both these guys have teams in first place, and they're grumpy. And I'm the guy whose team is in last place, the worst record in Major League Baseball, and I'm as cheerful <laughs> as a spring flower here, I tell you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, the umpires, um, I think they're warming up, too. I think in a whole, they do a great job. Um, my son just started umpiring uh, softball games, women's fast pitch. And he said, Dad, that will really get you thinking because not only is it faster than you think, but you got to watch the corners and it moves and it's fast. And he said, you just have to do the best you can. And I sort of went, yeah, maybe the umpires have a harder time. So it took my son being an umpire for me to give the, the bums <laughs> a break. But um, uh, I'm not sure I'm ready for the um, robots, whether R2-D2 or wherever robot we get i think we still need the human element i think it's fun i like watching games i was watching uh the dodgers and the cubs last night i liked watching roberts chewing on the umpire saying that his strike zone was too low and i like that i like that human element well one of the things that i thought one of the accounts that i follow on twitter is a fascinating one and it's called the umpire scoreboards and the address is ump scorecards uh, at Ump Scorecards, it's great. What they do is they rate every umpire. They look at every strike call, every ball call, the entire game, and they give you their score. So, for instance, uh, here's a perfect the Red Sox game last night against uh, the Tigers. Uh, Ryan Blakey was the home plate umpire. He was accurate on 94% of his balls and strike calls. Ooh. 94%. Now, to me, that's pretty damn good. And... Then they, then they also grade them on overall consistency. So if you call the pitch outside a ball, are you always calling those pitches? Who are these balls? people that have time to do this? Wow. I know that. Well, but for, so anyway, so, so Ryan Blakey was 94%. But then you got a guy, you, you want to kill uh, Angel Hernandez? I got one for you. Joe okay. West. Country Joe uh, West. Yeah. He's 112 years old and he's still umpiring. God love him. He did the Padres game last night against the Pirates. His accuracy, 87%. <laughs> now, look, if I do anything 87, good 87% of the time, I'm in somebody's Hall of Fame. 
But that doesn't work for umpiring. Eighty-seven no. percent. I think the lowest one I saw this year was, I can't remember who the umpire was, but he got an eighty-four one game. He that's how Oof. many balls that he balls and strikes that he missed in the strike zone. The worst part about Joe West, not only was he his accuracy eighty-seven percent, his consistency wasn't even good. It was like eighty-seven right. percent as well. You know, so I think that's the. That's the point I have about umpires, especially with strike zones. I don't care if you're going to call the ball two inches outside a strike, but you better call it a strike every time so that the batters know to adjust. That's one right. of the other things that was talked about is that if the umpires, you know, it, you, you used to know who the umpire was and they would have a different strike zone and you could adjust to that. Now they think in many cases the, um, the, the strike zone is actually shrinking because mm. these umpires are so worried about the robot umpires coming that they're almost being too stingy about what they call a strike these days. But that should help the hitting though. If the strike zone's smaller, shouldn't that help the on base and the hitting? Well, it's not. No, it, it, you know what it helps? It helps with the fewer number of balls being put into play because guys are standing up there taking walks. Oh. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem. So, uh, you know, I don't think I'm ready. I like the human element. Now, I don't like Angel Hernandez, you know, missing a ball that falls in between two outfielders. Right. But I think the human element, I think it's part of the fabric of the game. I think we've mentioned that before on this uh, on this podcast. And I hate the idea of it going away. But I also I also think that we sometimes expect these guys to be too perfect. Is your son perfect, Paul? In his mother's eyes, man. In his mother's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> I, I mean, but but you know, I'll bet he's a bum to somebody that was at the oh, last yeah. game. Work, oh yeah, you sure. know. I mean, that's and that's the problem. I think we're expecting too much of these guys, and yeah. I think and I think and I think Major League Baseball makes it worse because you know they've got the you know all the graphics on their on their website. Every game you watch on television has that damn box up on the screen. So, you know, and and God forbid you miss that box by a a millimeter and the umpire, you know, call it wrong, you know, people are killing these guys. It's hard being an umpire. It it is. I should probably give him a break, but I probably won't. <laughs> Uh, and and Joe West, by the way, uh, it was I was watching a Cardinals game. I think I think it was probably during that Cardinals Cincinnati series where they've got into a couple of brawls. But Joe West was in that one, and he threw out. I want to say it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a Cincinnati game because it was Boone that he threw out, and it was like the third or fourth um, father son duo that he had ejected. <laughs> over his career from, from a team. Mm. Uh, well, before we, uh, we call it a day for this one, I, I think we have to take a, a second. Now it's, this is the, we're taping this on the 5th of May. Uh, we have to take a second to congratulate John means through a no hitter yeah. today Woo-hoo. for the Baltimore Orioles. The third no hitter we've already seen this season. Uh, Hey, look, you know, I don't care who you play for. Uh, and the Orioles aren't going anywhere. We know that. But uh, what a highlight for those fans to to uh, to see John Means do that today. And he was how about this? He almost had a perfect game. You know how he missed it? It was a strikeout wild pitch that got away oh, from ooh. the catcher, and the guy reached base. Ooh. That was the only thing stopping oh. him from having a perfect game. But oh, you know what? Uh, you know what? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. No, no. great day. You know, so that's where we're at. I mean, and, and the pitching continues. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, you look at, at the scores of today's games. How about we've had two one nothing? Or actually, yeah, we had two one nothing games today. 
You know, the Reds beat the White Sox, you know, or, I mean, one nothing. I mean, we there was uh, the Orioles game was a shutout. You know, there, people aren't scoring runs. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I just hope that we we fix this before it gets to the point where Major League Baseball has to do something radical. I don't know what that is, but me, juice the moving, balls, juice the balls. Oh, <laughs> well, no, no, don't say that. I mean, you know, and I, I will be very curious to see if moving the mound back that 12 inches makes that big a difference. I suspect it's not going to. You know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it does do something and they actually give it a shot. But I have a feeling that when push comes to shove and let's make, you know, and let's remember this, it's they're doing this in the minor leagues. You know, they're not doing it with major league level talent. So I'm not even sure when they do it, if the results are going to be valid on the major league level. I mean, am I wrong? It's, totally say I'm wrong. it's a totally different ball game at the big league level. So, yes, yeah, I agree. Well, that is going to do it for us here tonight. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I'd like to thank my friends. And thank you for hanging in there as I keep getting disconnected, Eric and uh, Paul. But uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, enjoy the games. Let's hope we see some offense between now and uh, the next show so I can stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>